Welcome to Humco Learn, a lively and informative podcast where you, the listeners, get the inside scoop on the issues affecting the students and families of Humboldt County. For each edition of the podcast, we feature a special guest whose work intersects with education. And today, I am thrilled to be joined by none other than our newly re-elected sheriff for Humboldt County, William Hansel. Sheriff Hansel, congratulations on your re-election and welcome to the show. Michael, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here and to uh, be on your podcast. And I'm looking forward to the day and looking forward to answering your questions and, and getting this information out. Fantastic. So, yeah. so with that in mind, let's dive right in. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself how you came to serve in this current position of sheriff of Humboldt County? Yeah, thank you. It's a it's a it's a great community. I was born and raised here in Humboldt County, um, and uh, my mother was uh, an educator here in in the community, and and so she was a, uh, first a, an aide, then a teacher, and then a principal. Uh, my dad was in law enforcement and worked his way through the ranks, and and retired in two thousand as a captain at the Eureka Police Department, and so public service has always been in my blood, um, and so I went through Eureka High School, and uh, was student body president and and was really active in the social aspect of school and sports education. Not so much, you know, I, <laughs> I had a lot of fun in school. I didn't get bad grades, but uh, my school teachers will tell you that, uh, that I, I, you know, I, I kind of, did the, the minimum to get through, you know, and, and so I'm not proud of that, but, uh, but I always had fun in school and had a great time. And, uh, I took back a, a lot of rewarding experiences through Eureka high school and, uh, and I really, really loved it. And, um, but I went to college Redwoods after that, um, and then, uh, got my AA degree and then decided to go to the police academy. And, uh, and that set me up to, uh, to go into law enforcement. And, and I went to the Bay area for about eight years and was a public safety officer, which I did both police and fire for the city of Sunnyvale. And, uh, it was an awesome, rewarding career. Um, but, uh, in the meantime, I got married, had a couple kids and my wife and I decided that the Bay area wasn't the place that we wanted to raise our kids. We wanted to, we both had a great childhood here in Humboldt County and we want to raise our kids in Humboldt County. So we came back to Humboldt County, had another kid. You know, so I have three boys and we raised them in Humboldt County and Humboldt County schools. And, and, um, and then when we came back, uh, you know, I got a job at the Eureka Police Department and then the district attorney's office, Humboldt State University, and eventually the sheriff's office. Yeah. And um, and so I was the undersheriff in 2013 and then became the sheriff in 2017. And just like you said, just reelected for another four year term. So I'm very, very happy to serve the people here in the county. And, uh, you know, we're invested in making this a better place. And uh, and I'm just really, really thrilled that we have a lot of people that are really wanting to, to make Humboldt County special and a great place to raise families and to have a, um, a thriving, thriving economy and a thriving place to live. It's really interesting how many people who serve in, in public service who have who grew up in Humboldt County, left Humboldt County, and have returned to Humboldt County to raise their families, to to work. And I think that it brings a new appreciation. You know, when you've left and you've come back, I think it, it deepens the roots that you have here. 
I totally agree. Totally agree. I, I really didn't appreciate it when I was here. I mean, I loved it. I mean, the recreation, um, everything here, you know, the close knit community and what this community has to offer. Um, but I had to learn that really through going to the Bay Area uh, and being involved in the rat race that's down there. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't take back that opportunity because I learned so much and to see something differently and to really get an education outside of the county, I think is really important. I brought a lot of what I learned out of the county back to the county, mm-hmm. and it's really geared me towards, I think, a successful career and, you know, finding success within my own family as well. So, yeah, so it was very rewarding. Speaking of, of your family, I did have the opportunity and the pleasure to work with your mom for a few years yes. before she retired yeah. at Eureka City Schools. So I, I know how passionate she is about kids. Absolutely. Um, as Humboldt County Sheriff, what are some responsibilities that you know, may not be really obvious to people. Yeah. So being a Humboldt County Sheriff, everyone equates that to like the deputy sheriff that works the street. And, you know, you see the black and white sheriff's cars that patrol through the county, but that's just one aspect of what we do. The sheriff's office also maintains a jail and people drive by the, the facility on, um, on 4th and 5th Street and they have no idea that's a 417 bed jail. And we have half of my budgets dedicated to that facility. Mm. We have 120 people that work there uh, to manage those um, those 417 inmates and it's a it's got a full medical center it's got a um, you know a, a full kitchen facility laundry facility and it's a self-contained you know city and you know in and of itself for 417 inmates and uh, and so there's recreation yards there's you know um, services that we offer including you know we get education and um, and anger management all this therapy and everything else for our inmates Mm -hmm. to help hope that that they will make a good decision when they get out of jail. But a lot of times people don't recognize that as a function of the sheriff's office, but that's a huge part of what we do. But we also have our emergency emergency communication center, which we take 911 calls all over the county and distribute those to different medical um, persons, or we respond to to the 911 emergency through law enforcement. We also run the coroner's office. So all the death investigations, you know, the sheriff's office will respond out and and do that. We also have a civil division. So if you have an issue with a landlord tenant dispute or an eviction or serving someone with papers, we do that. Uh, we also run our animal shelter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyone that has a, a county that uh, a pet that's lost in the county will pick them up, deliver to our shelter. Um and it's a great place to adopt animals. Yeah. And so uh, so we also run that, um, as well as all search and rescue operations. Uh, we have our marijuana enforcement team also in charge of the county drug task force. And so all these things, you know, are are the different balls that I juggle in the yeah. air every day, you know, at the, at the sheriff's office. Which one of those do you feel like you have the most passion for? It's hard to say that because I have passion for every single one of it. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I, I when I became a, um, a part of the sheriff's office, I only had one really area of expertise, and that was being a law enforcement officer on the road, on the street and dealing with that. I knew really not a whole lot about the jail facility. And so I've come to appreciate and love the jail and corrections hmm. side of things. You know what? Um, corrections, sometimes people get a, a negative connotation. It's like, oh, man, someone in jail is, is really a negative thing. And you know what? Absolutely. It can be a negative thing, but we see it as a positive thing. I see it as a gift of jail. It gives someone the opportunity hmm. to 
to improve their life. It gives them a timeout where they can have a reset. And we provide people the opportunity to focus on the things that they need to, to have accountability in, in the decisions they made. And, I, you know, we actually set people up to actually make better decisions when they do get out. You know, we have plans to... Um, to steer someone into a new direction. Uh, we talk to people about the friends that they keep, the police, places that they live, the, the, the decisions that they make also contribute to their consequences. So we want to set people up. And if they have an issue with drugs, alcohol, uh, no matter what, maybe, you know, um, can be negative to them, we can set them up into, you know, um, making better decisions and, and getting the help that they need. And that's really the gift of jail. And I just, you know, there's a, there's, there's a, um, there's kind of a movement within California to shut down prisons or jails or those kind of things because of the negative connotation. And, and we should not do that. We shouldn't. We we should do programs within the facility, but we got to hold people accountable for the decisions they make, uh, because that's what's going to get them better and making a better decision. If there's no consequences for their actions, um, then people will continue to make the same decisions until they eventually die or hurt someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that over and over and over again. So yeah, it's an interesting perspective of one from like the jail prison concept to you know the correctional facility like correction like strength based you know that's right we're looking at how we can help redirect people's lives that's right um, so that when they do get out that you know they're on a a positive trajectory right Right. so you know the the similarities there with what we try to do in school we certainly don't look to incarcerate students but you know it's a matter of learning it's giving an opportunity every day for our students to be able to make good decisions and when they do we encourage that and when they don't we can help correct that um and that is so true that's so true michael and so we want to give those people the that opportunity and you know when someone um does make those 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 bad decisions and uh you know it's it's like we can put them down all day long for that bad decision they make but we say hey listen what you made the decision now there's going to be consequences, but this is how we're going to make sure that 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 decision that you made, you know, can actually be a positive in your life. But it takes that person to have that perspective. And it may be the fourth, fifth, sixth time that they've been arrested in order for them to get that and they make better decisions. But we're still going to provide them the same opportunities every single time. And I think that's what needs to happen in the classroom because you never know, you know, a teacher's influence or a corrective action or a corrective word or just an encouraging word can eventually help someone in the long run. So we can't lose focus. Um, Man, today's society, we want to write people off, right? We want to dismiss people. We want to cancel people, you know, all those things. But that's the last thing we should do. We want to make sure we give people the opportunities, but also hold them accountable and say, listen, you know, yeah, you're going to get a time out here. You're going to get some consequences. doesn't mean that we don't necessarily, you know, want to cancel you. We just want to make sure that you understand there's consequences. And we hope that you're not going to make those decisions next time. And this is how we're going to help you make the decisions if you want to go that direction. Thinking about schools and yeah. the intersection of sheriff's department, sheriff's office, and schools, what are some ways in which uh, your office supports schools in Humboldt County? Well, we want to be involved. We want to be involved in schools. We want to um, uh, be connected. You, you know, we have uh, essentially. 
you know, a 4,000 square mile county. We have about 12 deputies that are working on any given day. And uh, and how many school districts do we have? 40? We have 31 school 31 districts district. and 13 charter. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of school districts out there. I would love for our deputies to contact the schools every week and have a contact, a positive contact. That is our goal. And towards the end of the year, especially after the shooting in Texas, you know, we made it a, a mandate for our deputies to get out. Make sure you go make contact with all the principals of the schools in your district and and talk with them and speak with them about, you know, who you are, give them your business card and let them know that you're there, you know, to answer any questions and be involved. And right. we want to be involved. And uh, oftentimes it just takes an invitation. You know, uh, we don't want to step on toes. Sometimes people get a little nervous when a patrol car comes up. It's like, why are they there? We want there to be a familiarity. So it's like, you know, waving, hey, that's just deputy, you know, Smith. And he's there just to check in, just to make sure that we're all safe and and just have that familiarity because we don't want to cause anxiety for teachers, students, parents, if they see a patrol car, you know, around a campus. We want to be, you know, a part of making sure that everyone feels safe and that we are a part of of making that uh, that community safe. Yeah. And then thinking about that interaction between law enforcement and schools, we have in some districts uh, school resource officers. Um, yes. other, others, others we don't. So and I remember working closely when I was up in McKinleyville. We had a school resource officer at the elementary district that we yeah. shared with the high school district. And I really saw, you know, kind of breaking down some of those barriers and some of those anxieties around having law enforcement presence around the school, uh, which was a real benefit for the children, for sure not afraid of a police officer, right. but also for the parents and families that this was something that was a positive thing. It was reassuring. It wasn't because somebody's in trouble. Right. It's because um, there's a there's an opportunity for understanding the, uh, the work of the people in the communities for public service and the school resource offices certainly provided that. Are you seeing, what, what are some of the um, biggest reasons that your office is seeing calls for assistance from, yeah. from school personnel for? We have uh, some reoccurring calls about, um, you know, students that are, um, having behavioral issues mm-hmm. and having meltdowns are, are getting in fights, being willful dis- disobedience and, uh, and walking away from school. Those are the common calls that we do get. Um, and, and so it's, you know, when you talked about a school resource officer, I think that is a, a vital position. And unfortunately our staffing level hasn't been what it needs to be. So we can staff some of those positions within the County, but I, I would love for us to have that ability to put school resource officers in in different parts of the county, because I really believe the first interaction students should make with law enforcement should be a positive one, should build on that. And and it takes it takes a repeated effort of building good relationships mm-hmm. so people can trust, you know, law enforcement. And it's not just for the students or the parents or the teachers. It's also for the deputy, for the deputy to understand, too, that, you know, there's a lot of influence that they can have and that they can make a difference in, in a student's life and that their perspective on a different student could be a whole lot different. Because if you walk into, you know, a situation where there's skateboarders, you know, that are that are downtown, you know, McKinleyville and they're skateboarding in an area where they shouldn't 
wouldn't be, you know. And if that if that deputy has a relationship already with those with those students, right. it's not just going to be officer, you know, blowhard coming up here and, and telling me to get the heck out of here. It's going to be, hey guys, how's it going? I understand you want to skate here, but this is not the right spot. If you just head down to the park, it's there's a great skate yeah. park down here, and you can do that. And that interaction, that mutual trust, is there. And so there'll be respect. The deputy will respect the 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 students, you know, wanting to recreate. They're outside. They're not playing video games. They're not damaging anything. You know, we should reward that, right? And steer it in another direction and uh, and not make it, a, you know, the buzzkill kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that, Chef Hansel, because it's kind of it equates to that interaction between the teacher and the parent, right? So beyond back to school night. Oftentimes, you know, parents will think, well, if they get a call from the teacher, it's not a good thing. Right. 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 (laughs) What did my son and my daughter do? Um, And we're seeing more and more of teachers and other staff, administrators, support staff, actually reaching out to parents proactively and saying, hey, I just want to let you know that you know, Billy was fantastic in class today and he did such and such and such and such. And, and parents are like, whoa, kind of taken aback by that. But it builds that trust, builds yes. that relationship. So when that call does need to be made that maybe Billy didn't do the right thing, you know, on a particular day, then it's not the defenses are up by the parents. It's rather, let's talk about this. You know, we that have is, we built that trust, built that relationship, and it's no different really than what you're describing. Yeah, that is great. I love hearing that. And it's exactly right. I mean, you're able to receive a message a whole lot better, a negative message, if you've also received a positive message mm-hmm. from prior, you know, and you're able to receive that, understand that. And then I think parent, as a parent myself, I'm dying to talk to my kids about what happened at school. And so having that interaction from the teacher saying, this is what we did today, or, hey, you know, my daughter's name is Josie. So Josie, she had a good day. She had this or that happen. It gives me an opportunity to have that conversation with my daughter. And uh, so it's, uh, I, I, I love it. Our, our, our school does a really good job with that. But also we have to take an active interest. Parents have to be interested in what's going on. So going to the back to school nights and taking those opportunities to meet with the the teachers, be involved in different activities. You know, the pandemic kind of brought us away from that, right? And so now we're getting back to it. And I think it's a really a positive thing. And and we've missed that over the last couple of years. We have, you know, and thinking about the pandemic, it's been hard on our educational community for sure. Students Mm -hmm. doing distance learning for the best part of two years, students not having those positive social interactions that they've had in school. Um, So we're really seeing the effects of that. How are you seeing the impacts of, from a law enforcement perspective of COVID-19, especially on on families, um, in terms of the the things that you're responding to, are, are you yeah. seeing a change the the pre and the post pandemic? Yeah, you know we <clears throat> family dynamics are you know have been have been a struggle right throughout throughout um, I think our nation and everything else. It's just that's one of the calls we go to all a lot is you know family disturbances or a family fight between a parent and a and a and um, a son or daughter or, you know, the parents. And so it's just, it's, it's a tough, tough thing. And I think the pandemic hasn't helped that, you know, the one thing that, um, you know, that we saw was our, um, our mandated reporters oftentimes are our teachers and yes. they were reporting potential child abuse situations. And since the kids weren't in school, we didn't get a whole lot of those reports. Uh-huh. Now, we're saying, man, our child abuse levels were, you know, are, are really high here in the county. Yes, and we know based upon, you know, behavior is child abuse was still going on. 
but then it just wasn't getting reported because these kids were not going to school. Mm -hmm. And so that is what we're seeing as, as an effect over the last couple of years is, you know, the kids, you know, really were affected. The people that the kids that are, are not in good families, you know, were in that bad situation for the last couple of years. There was no one checking on them essentially, but happy to say the kids are back in school. Uh, teachers are providing those mandated reporters uh, with information and that we are following up. So our child abuse, you know, investigations have been a whole lot higher this mm-hmm. year. And, uh, and so we are, you know, doing our part to follow up on those. And I just encourage teachers and our mandated reporters continue to report those. Yeah. We don't want you to investigate. That's not your job. It's just, if you suspect it, report it. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing and allow the professionals to do their job. And there is, um, protections. There's, um, you know, you, you, you're supposed to be anonymous. Of course, some parents can figure it out. They sent their kid to school. The next thing you know, someone's showing up wanting to do a, you know, an investigation, but you can't worry about that. The kids need protection. And, um, and so we need those, the, the teachers to be the eyes and ears out there for us and for us to follow up with those. Yeah. You know, thinking about student safety uh, protection, High-profile school shootings, uh, most recently that tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, and other events captured the attention of our public and resulted in various reactions from government agencies and schools. One way that schools, some schools, have chosen to address safety concerns is by having greater law enforcement involvement in their schools. Are, Are you seeing this as a more frequent request Coming from Humboldt County Schools? Yes. You know, when we have a high profile school shooting, um, it does, you know, provide a lot of anxiety here. And uh, and so we do get those requests. We do get requests for, you know, more patrol checks. Is there a school resource officer available? Is there something that the law enforcement can do? You know, we do offer a um, an active assailant training and, and we have offered that training throughout uh, the school districts. Um, and, and we're more than happy to put on that training, you know, to, to really any district. It's two hours and we could do it on an in-service day. And um, it's, it's really good, um, you know, consolidated training that can give you some, some mm. definitely some skills. There is some, some online training that you can go to. Homeland Security has, you know, active assailant training online. You can go through the slides and essentially the, the same type of program. Um, of course, it's non-interactive kind of thing. You can't ask the questions, but it's, it's a really good program and it has some of the similarities. Some of the things that we're doing here in the county is, is our county has come together and we've created a, a basically a, a mass casualty incident protocol to where it's, it's, um, so the police, fire, medical are all working together to respond to an active assailant incident. And, and so, um, so we're, we're, our number one goal if we're responding to an active shooter type situation is, is taking care of the threat. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's like if there is a threat, then our law enforcement is going to go right to that threat and take care of that. That is our number one priority. Mm-hmm. Our officers are equipped that way. And so we will go there and we will take care of the threat immediately upon contact uh, at the school. We will not wait. We will seek it out um, and take care of that. So, you know, so there will be no further violence, bloodshed or death. That is our goal. Mm-hmm. And then in the meantime, we also are working with fire so fire can go into the scene and where maybe it's not an active scene but they'll go into areas where they normally wouldn't go because it's 
not secure, but they're going to go with law enforcement to take care of potential injured parties. And, um, and so we're, we actually have to train that way. And so that's something that we've done. I'm proud of our, our law enforcement and fire for working together and for willing to do this and also the school districts. Right. Because it's very, I mean, it's a really a scary thing, right? It's something that uh, school should be a safe place that where people can can focus on education and not worry about some of the other stuff. So the school districts also have to take on a certain amount of responsibility to what we call harden the target, which means you make sure that there is, you know, as that the, the the security or the the fence fencing around the, the complex is such that people can't easily you know jump it um, and access the school from an alternate point that there should be eyes on the people that come into the school there should be a check-in system um, and so there's certain things that each school can do to make sure that you know the students do feel safe and if there is something that goes on that you know that we get called immediately, and that we have a description of what's happening and where they are. And that's a way that we can communicate through the school so people can lock down, um, run away um, or whatever it needs to be to make sure yeah. they protect themselves. Yeah. You speak about, um, you know, harding the target target. We uh, in schools are very much focused on you know, preventative measures and in thinking about, you know, potential perpetrators Making sure that students feel the sense of belonging in schools, yes, that they don't feel that social isolation that may result in them, um, you know, committing a crime in some way, but the, the, but rather that sense of community. And and I certainly, as a superintendent of schools for Humboldt County, I'm very interested in and uh, will work to support relationship based schools, right? Because kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, and that's a that's cliche right. term, but it's absolutely true. And I've seen it time and time again building those relationships. So when there is something that doesn't doesn't look right, doesn't feel right for a teacher or a, even a classmate about a student, um, that that is something that they can report or immediately get notice of. But if, if students don't feel that sense of belonging, that sense of community, then... <laughs> You know, problems can arise. That's so. so true. And, you know, we've been very successful, I think, over the last couple of years when students um, have communicated with us potential threats. You know, there's been some some pictures circulating on TikTok or Instagram. And, uh, you know, we get that information that someone made a threat. Here's the post. You know, he Snapchatted this picture to us, mm-hmm. you know, and and so we're able to follow up on those things and act, you know, on them immediately. And so people really need to make make sure they take threats seriously. So if you do get a threat or if parents hear about it, please report it. And so we can provide that information to the schools. We can actually follow up that night. Don't wait till the next morning. You call immediately because there's oftentimes there's things that we can do right then and there to make sure that uh, people feel safe going to school. Yeah. You talk about some of the online threats. Have you seen, and I'm sure you have, just an um, uptick, <laughs> speaking of TikTok, but an uptick in the number of uh, calls that you're responding to around like cyber bullying and cyber crimes? And do you have a do you have a division that that, that works specifically around that, or is we that something don't. everybody's? Everybody's job is part of everybody's job. Yeah, so we don't, and it's 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 a it's a fine line because certain people, you know, bullying as versus a a criminal threat, you know, it's 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 
it's it's blurry sometimes. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we document all those things. And and so if you have any kind of doubt that whether or not something's a crime or something crosses the line, it's okay to call. We can always just document the incident. So if there's further incidents down the road, we can use that for a restraining order. We can use it for a criminal act to show that, you know, there's been a progressive, you know, uh, ice, you know, escalation to these incidents. And uh, and it just could serve to uh, to prove a case that, you know, to the DA that something needs to be done about this. Yeah. Yeah. Like most public agencies, education included, um, I suspect that your office is challenged in recruiting, hiring and retaining staff. So there are efforts underway to bridge high school students to careers locally. Yes. Um, is this something that you envision happening for law enforcement, you know, careers in law enforcement? Do you have ideas about how that bridge can happen so that, you know, you can fill some of the positions that you have with with local individuals? That would be great. I absolutely love seeing the um, um, the careers, the career program here at uh, in Humboldt County, the schools and, and how they can, you know, f- focus on certain, you know, um, technical type careers. Uh, whether, you know, someone for someone who is, is, is wants to go to a four-year education, there's so many paths for that person to go, right? So many opportunities and that kind of thing, but someone who doesn't necessarily want to go to a four-year education or school and, uh, but wants to focus on a technical career, wants to become a plumber, uh, electrician or law enforcement officer, we'd love to have those opportunities. And so I think the sheriff's office would love to have that opportunity to, to be involved in that because, you know, we want to have people that that um, that want to get their foot in the door for law enforcement um, to feel like they have an opportunity here, and we have it, and you know, and in the correctional facility, uh, you know, so someone who is 18, 19 years old, right out of high school, can get a job in corrections, and they can get their foot in the door for a public safety career, and we will, you know, pay you a decent wage, twenty one dollars an hour plus pay and benefits to train you, mm-hmm. to send you to school, to give you the education. Um, to set you up to be successful inside the correctional facility. And you learn the different programs, how to manage inmates, how to talk to people. Because when you're inside the correctional facility, it is your mouth and your mind that we want to control people with. And uh, often like a teacher in a classroom, right? We don't have a bunch of weapons. There's no firearms inside the facilities, you know, that kind of stuff. So we we want to control people and de-escalate people. So yeah. we become a master at, at reading body language, at communication. You know, the successful ones know how to communicate with inmates, know how to see someone eye to eye, communicate with them and de-escalate them. And it gives them valuable experience. And if they work the street later on, then they're able to go, hey, I'll go anywhere in Humboldt County as a deputy sheriff and be able to handle myself. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we have deputies that are going out to, let's say, Alder Point to deal with a family disturbance by themselves. And they're able to de-escalate a situation yeah. or see it enough to go, I'm not going to get involved in this time. I need to back out. Wait for my backup to arrive and then right. come back in. Um, so, so it's it gives that that sense of of, of you know of, of people you know understanding human nature. So sure. so so that would be a great program yeah. to 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 be involved with. So I had the pleasure of attending the graduation ceremony for the academy down in at CR um, last month, I think. Yes, and. This is a program that's been going on for quite some time. And how, how do students get involved in that? You know, a high school student might be interested in a career in law enforcement. They've heard of the academy. What are the steps that they take to, to get into that? 
Well, we encourage people to, um, you know, you can go to the academy right after high school. It's a it's a it's a college program, and uh, so if you're 18, uh, you can you can sign up and go through the academy. Uh, you can't be a law enforcement officer until you're 21, and so okay. that's that's a new law that's in place, and it's um, you know, and we want people to have life experience. And that's a really, really important deal when it comes to, you know, street law enforcement, because you're dealing with people, you know, people's worst day every day. Yeah. Right. And so it sometimes it takes someone who's been there, done that to be able to talk someone through something, because we always want to talk people through, you know, a situation or talk people into giving us a statement, telling us, you know, how they were victimized and to have that empathy um, um, and also sometimes very direct with people that are suspected of committing a crime and having the ability to talk directly with people and give them sharp commands so they know that we are serious and that they will be put in handcuffs and will be taken to jail, you know, and have that assertiveness when necessary. All that stuff is, a, is, is pretty much learned, you know, through life experience. So we want people to be um, good at customer service, hmm. right? And, uh, and problem solvers. That is a really a, a good key to a successful career. And, um, and so if someone maybe doesn't want to go to college and get their AA or, or a bachelor's degree, those are always positives. We want them to be involved in customer service careers. You know, so if they want one of the best things that you can do is, is, is be a barista, you know, go out and, and be a waiter. Um, and, you know, so because they learn customer service, learn how to talk to people, because that's really 90% of our job is our ability to communicate, yeah. present a clear message to people, uh, to be able to accurately write things down and to report back. And you think about a waitress or a waiter, you know, that's exactly what they do mm-hmm. and they do it well and they are able to multitask. And, uh, and so, you know, if you're interested in that career, get your career started, that might be a good avenue for for you to start at. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's avoid having the barista with guns though. That's, you know, don't, <laughs> yes. don't need that. Maybe <laughs> That's in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get to our, our last section, which is our lightning round. Sure. Uh, we hear a lot about equity, social justice in our schools. Um, something that's obviously uh, in our society right. that we're, we're continually um, wrestling with, grappling with. In what ways do these terms, social justice, equity resonate with you in your role as the Humboldt County Sheriff and how do you advance the work that needs to be done in these areas? Yeah, social justice is something that it's obviously it's the it's been around for a while and people have talked about it and, and equity is really, really important. Um, you know, one thing is the sheriff's office and as law enforcement in general is we want to build public trust and confidence in people. And though there is implicit bias with everyone, people have to recognize that is that as a law enforcement officer that should never ever be a part of who we are. And so we should treat people with dignity and respect and and understand that we have to um, recognize people's cultural differences um, and and understand that we may need to communicate differently to different people sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really evident here in, in Humboldt County because we have eight, nine federally recognized tribes within our, our county. And, uh, and we have sovereign nations within our county, you know, with the tribes. And so to talk about some of the things, you know, with our deputy sheriffs to, to be respectful when it comes to tribal authority and, um, and tribal sovereignty and, and having that, you know, recognition and having the ability to communicate, you know, with, with tribal elders and, 
understand that there's going to be things that are going to be different sometimes. Handling a death, the, a death of a tribal member on tribal land is completely different than how we handle a death here in the city of Eureka, mm. non-tribal member. There's things that we would, you know, never do, you know, but we make accommodations, mm. you know, for tribal members, you know, to be able to touch the body, to spend time with the body before it's taken mm. when it's not a, a, a direct criminal matter. Yeah. You know, so there's things that that we do um, that, you know, that we can accommodate. And so yeah. I think it's, it's important to recognize cultural sensitivity, implicit bias is a part of our training now. And so we give our deputies that ability uh, to um, uh, to be educated about that and and to understand that we have a role to play. Building public trust and confidence is our number one role and responsibility. It's so hard to build that confidence and it's so easy to lose. And uh, so we want to make sure that we put that that um, that that money in that piggy bank every day of of building that trust, and it's just done by every contact. You know, I tell our dispatchers, I tell our deputy sheriffs that someone could call nine one one once in their lifetime, once. And so we want to make that impression the best it possibly could be, uh, no matter what the circumstances, because they're going to build a lifetime impression of the sheriff's office based on that one call. That's right. So how are you going to, how are you going to act? And, um, and we would love to treat everyone like we would treat our grandparent, you know, and that would be a goal. But oftentimes people don't reciprocate that to us. Yeah. They're not treating us like their grandson or granddaughter. And so, but we still, we have to offer that every single time. We have to be respectful, clear in our communication um, and, and offer some assistance, you know, where we can. And uh, so that's the goal. That's the goal of our community. And being a small county, we have the opportunity to know a lot of people and to be a part of people's families and communities. And so we're interested and invested in making each 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 place, each county, you know, um, jurisdiction, just the best we possibly can be. And one thing that I really did from the beginning is making sure that our deputy sheriffs are working in specific areas for, for a specified length of time, six months or a year, mm. because they're invested in cleaning up the prog- uh, problems, addressing the problems. And it's not just a hit and run yeah. where someone is just in, in hoop off for one day and they're not invested in making that better. They're there just to, to, to hit and run. No, you're going to be a part of this for the next year. So do you, you want to be a problem solver? Do you want to, you know, to have good customer service? Because the, the person that you um, may be a suspect today may be your witness tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so you want that witness to be able to trust you. So right. even if they're a suspect, you got to treat them with dignity and respect and have clear and concise communication with them. So, so that person will even though they are not happy about being taken to jail, they know that you just did your job and did it respectfully. And so the next day when you come up, talk to them about something else, you're able to have that conversation with them because you treated them fairly. Hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready for the lightning round. Here we go. 10 questions. Okay. First thing that comes to your mind, what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? Spending time with family, Mm. working out. Texting or talking? Texting. Favorite day of the week and why? Saturday, sleeping in. Mm. Favorite city in the world besides the one you live in? I love Boston. We'll talk about that later. Last non-work related book that you read? Uh, Well, the Bible every day, but uh, um, 
I think Winning the War in Your Mind, Greg Groeschel, is a really good book. Mm. Yes. I'll make note of that one. Yes. To your coffee. Coffee, black. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yes. How many times a day? Uh, yes, too much. Uh, two words co workers would use to describe you. Uh, <laughs> co workers. Mm. Uh, I would, I want to say loyal and integrity. I, I don't want to hear hard ass or <laughs> jerk. <laughs> Person you admire the most. Oh, my father. Yeah. Yeah. Hard worker, honest, good guy. So it's great to hear. Yeah. Sitting on the beach or watching the beach from a boat. Sitting on a beach. Absolutely. In Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? I would say yes, in theory. Yes, absolutely. You can't cross that line. <laughs> <laughs> Chef Hansel, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you, you on Michael. the Humco Learn podcast this morning. Really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate being here and uh, thank you very much for what you're doing. My pleasure. All right. It's an honor to serve. Yes. And congratulations on your election as well. Thank you. Looking forward to the next four years. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. 